Welcome to the Main Street Preps High School Football Preview Show. Nobody brings you more comprehensive coverage of high school sports in Middle Tennessee than Main Street Preps. Today's show is brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Remember, fans don't let fans drive drunk. Now, please welcome the host of the Main Street Preps High School Football Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Main Street Preps High School Football Preview Show. I'm Ralph Savinozzi, excited that we are now talking TWSAA playoff football. The first round kicks off this Friday. Tons of great matchups for us to get into. Lots of storylines to look at as well, and we will do both of those things. Uh, but we're also going to talk to East Nashville football coach Damian Harris. He's in his first year there with the Eagles, having a great season. So we'll get to him in just a moment. First, I want to remind everybody again that our show is brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office, where fans don't let fans drive drunk. Damien's going to join us by video right now. He's been kind enough to take some time out of his day. Damien, thanks for being here. Hey, how you doing? I'm glad to be here. So, Damien, it's it's been a pretty good run for you guys so far. You got the eight and two record in the regular season, uh, coming off a, a three game win streak there as you guys enter the playoffs. So far in these first ten games, as head coach there at East Nashville, what do, what do you just make of the way things have gone? Um. This season been pretty fast for me. Um, a lot of stuff been going on, so just trying to get adjusted to everything um, as a head coach. So East Nashville, obviously coming off those back-to-back runner-up finishes to Alcoa there in Class 3A. I'm curious, what kind of expectations has that created for the program? And how have you guys been able to deal with that this year? Uh, the expectations are the same. Um, still trying to get back to the state championship. Uh, I think – the, the bar has been set real high, um, so we're trying to keep the bar right there at the state championship. But this time, hopefully, we can get the goal ball. And, of course, you come from a, a winning tradition there at Pearl Cone. You played there for those 1996-1997 state title teams. You were an assistant um, at Pearl Cone for a while and an offensive coordinator. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but, but now being the head guy, you're not, you're not just making suggestions. You're not just in the room. It, it kind of the buck stops with you. What's that been like for you this year? And uh, has that kind of been a dream come true to, to be a head coach? Uh, definitely a dream come true. Um, I've always um, planned and dreamed to be a head coach. That's one of the main reasons I want to step out um, and get my own uh, team. Um, but basically, it's, it's been a, a nice ride. The players, they all buy into um, my philosophy of uh, team first. And I think um, we're doing a good job with that. And I know after each of their playoff runs the last couple of years, East Nashville's graduated a lot of players. So uh, I guess what's kind of the talent pipeline like for you guys? I know you've got a good, a lot of good young talent right now, but mm-hmm. do you think East Nashville has been an attractive program for, for students there in the Metro uh public school system to say, Hey, that's a place I want to go and, and play football. Uh, yeah, it's a great place to, um, to be. Even when I was at Procon, I always know um, that East Nashville had a lot of talent to come through, which was one of the main reasons I, I didn't mind uh, making that transfer over to East. Um, but I, I hope, hopefully it'll stay the same. I can keep getting players in um, like you said, the senior class, the nucleus of it, they all been playing a lot. So they're doing a great job with leadership. And um, the younger guys, mostly sophomores, have picked up um, where they're leaving off. And one more on the program before we dive into some of the individual players having great seasons so far. But 
Uh, you guys also have that new turf field over there as part of the, the Metro Schools project to replace uh, football fields across the county with artificial turf. And um, how has that helped you guys out? I know in the past, East Nashville's maybe had to go down the street to practice uh, to other fields and things like that. But how has having that uh, turf surfaced helped you guys out in the last couple um, of months? Having the turf, I, I think East Nashville, uh, we needed it more than anybody. Um, we don't even have – we didn't have a practice field. So having the turf – um, helped us out a lot because we were able to practice as well as play on the um, field. As you said, we had to um, commute to a park or down the street um, and practice without field goals, without having landmarks. Um, so sometimes our players didn't know how to line up and adjust to the size of the field. So, I mean, that was a struggle. That's great now that you guys have a, a good place to call home there. Um, so, but Damien, I mean, you guys, I'm really impressed with what you guys have been able to do offensively. I know you're, uh, an offensive coordinator. Um, have you, are you still doing the play calling duties or do you have somebody helping you out with that this year? Yes. Uh, I still call the plays, but, um, my assistant coaches, um, Brian Curry, he, he comes up, we come, we get together, we do the playbook as well as, uh, Isaiah Upton and Nazir Bigham. So it's more of a, a, a staff doing it all together, and we gotcha. come up with how we want to run for that week. Yeah, I knew as an offensive guy, you, you couldn't just give up total control there, but it sounds like team effort uh, on the coaching side of the offense. But yeah. East Nashville the last couple of years has been really successful running the ball. First there was Amarian Ford, Trey Quan yeah. Waters last year had a really good season as well. Now Keith Johnson has jumped right in there as a sophomore. Uh, he's got over 1,000 yards. 17 touchdowns being as young as Keith is. I mean, how has he been able to, to sort of be placed right in there and, and be as successful as, as he's been? Uh, Keith, he, he does a great job of uh, running the ball, but uh, I wouldn't be right if I didn't credit the offensive line um, for creating a lot of holes for him as well as the receivers um, blocking a lot for him. So like I said, it's still a team effort, but um, being a sophomore, I, I've seen a lot of good backs, and I think he's going to be one of the great ones. It's, tell me about that offensive line. Who, who are the guys up there that have uh, been getting it done so far? Um, the offensive line is led by the senior, Malik Bowling. Um, he's played a few years, um, but it's some younger guys like Rashawn Boyce, who's also a sophomore, Jaden Jackson, um, David Hill. I, Davion Johnson, so it's a lot. We've actually had to rotate a few guys here and there uh, just to keep keep it rolling. So having a good offensive line obviously helps out Keith and, and the running game, but yeah. uh, it's also protecting quarterback Martez Lamb in his first season of this, as the starter. I know he's had some good moments. He's got over 1,000 yards passing, five touchdowns. What has Martez showed you uh, this year? Um, Martez, actually, he's done a great job. Um for him to be just a junior, this is third third year playing, and he's had three different coordinators. So uh, picking up three different systems, that's a lot for a quarterback. But um, right now he's starting to really peak. He's throwing a lot of great balls. Last week, um, I forgot how many yards he threw for, but he had like two touchdowns. Um, so everything is starting to slow down for him, which is important right when it's getting into playoff time. Yeah, you have to love that. 
yeah. some experience under his belt heading into the postseason. Uh, but obviously, defense too has been a strength. As much as you guys have been able to score points, you're keeping other teams off the board, mm-hmm. only allowing uh, just under 12 points per game, forcing a lot of turnovers too. Winning the turnover battle obviously uh, can make a big difference. But Jordan Houston, Lance Bell Jr., both those guys have four interceptions apiece. Yeah. I guess what is it, what is it about that side of the ball? Where are you guys kind of getting some advantages um, that are helping you out on on defense? Uh, well, when I first got the job, I, I told the players, uh, even though I'm an offensive coordinator and an offensive guy, uh, defense is real big with me. Um, so Coach Cameron Watkins, who's the D coordinator, he stepped in and um, had to fill some big shoes as well. Being this is his first year of being a coordinator. Um, so he usually drops some stuff and get the guys in the right position and the guys, they make the plays, so I can't take credit away from the players. That's right. And, of course, we mentioned Keith a minute ago. You're high on him and, and his future. I'm curious, too, Damian, just from what you've seen across the team, um, is there a guy or two that you really feel like at some point, um, whether they already have or whether you think they will soon, uh, start to attract a lot of college recruiting attention? Um, and if so, who might those guys be? Uh, well, I got two that has um, – Got a lot of buzz. Um, Malik Bowling, who's the DN and tackle, as well as uh, Elijah Usher, who plays DB. They both had a lot of um, got a lot of pub early this year, and a few offers already. Um, but I got some other guys that I know is really gonna blow it out. Uh, Tian Curry, six three, six four DN, and uh, I got a few receivers that um, I'll probably pick up a lot once they get more. Um, time or getting seen by a lot of colleges during this playoff run. We'll certainly keep an eye out for that. And yeah, you mentioned the playoff run. It starts Friday against Cheatham County. That's mm-hmm. a team that struggled quite a bit this year. They are three and seven. How do you keep your team focused and, and not look too far ahead uh, when you enter that game Friday? Uh, well, one thing about our team, like I said, we haven't won the state yet, so we can't be um, happy about anything. And, Cheatham County, you can't look at the records once you get to the playoffs, but if you go back and look at some of the scores, um, they lost a lot of close games, and a lot of the games that they play are mostly rivalry games, so um, that holds a little weight when it comes to different scores. So they was losing games like 14-7 and things like of that nature, which at any time in football, um, it could be a difference in one play. You mentioned that some of these guys uh, that you've currently got were part of those runner-up teams. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they didn't play a ton, they had a front-row seat to sort of that disappointment. How much yeah. do you think that's driving the players now to to try to you know finish this one out strong and, and make another run at Chattanooga? Um, well, you know, we all everybody always think the third time's the charm. So hopefully, that's the uh, the plan. Um, a lot of them, they, you know, they real hungry. They done got there twice and haven't been able to get over the hill. Um, also, me coming from Procon, we got there last year, didn't get over the hill. So I think we all, once we all got together, we all got the same goal in mind of trying to get the goal ball. Yeah, speaking of Procon, you guys don't play them in the playoffs, so I, I feel safe asking you this question, you being a Procon guy. Um Obviously, they're 10-0 and 0 entering the postseason, still looking for that first state title since uh, the 90, 1997 team. But uh, you were part of that team. You you saw what it took to win. I mean, do you think yeah. this year's Pearl Cone team has got a chance to uh, 
to win it all? Oh, yeah, they, they definitely got a great chance of winning. Uh, That's one of the most talented teams um, Procon has had since maybe 96, 97. Um, the team's loaded. Uh, they well coached. Um, Jimmy Farrell, he's doing a great job. And uh, Coach Tony Bernetti, he always has a defense ready. So they'll be prepared. Yeah, with, with East Nashville and Procon being so close last year, that was a pretty neat yeah. moment for, for Metro. But what would it mean if, if one or both of you guys could break through it and win it this year? I mean, what, what would that just kind of say about the state of uh, kind of the, the competition and everything here in Nashville? Um, well, I thought it was big last year that both teams made it to the state. Um, Metro, we always get a lot of flack that coaches really can't coach. We all got athletes, but – if that was the case, then everybody uh, um, pretty much win because everybody have athletes, but can you coach them? You know, everybody want to say coaches can't coach in Metro, but I think we've uh, proven that wrong. Um, a lot of coaches, such as Jamal, who's at East last year, he went to Centennial. He's done a great job there, um, which is not a Metro school. So it's showing that the Metro coaches are, you know, great coaches, not just guys that got – talent on this side absolutely and so far so good for you guys damien so appreciate the time today uh congrats on a good start and good luck friday against cheatham county okay thank you all righty that has been east nashville football coach damien harris appreciative of his time as his team ramps up for the postseason run will be certainly interesting to see if east nashville can get back to that blue cross bowl game and and maybe have a different result this time around but first uh you know, before we continue with the show, we're going to take a quick break. So stick around and we'll be right back. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. Thought I could hold my liquor. As an Allstate agent in Gallatin, Larry Maynard knows many local families. His knowledge and understanding of the people in this community helps him provide customers with outstanding service. Give Larry a call at 615-452-1500. Macon Bank and Trust Company is a proud supporter of the Gallatin Green Wave. For over 100 years, Macon Bank & Trust has offered a true hometown banking experience to help you meet your financial goal. We are local people with local decision-making and ready to serve you. Don't let pain keep you from doing the things you love. With our world-class physicians, Houston Clinic Orthopedics will have you back enjoying your life in no time. From ortho care to physical therapy and more, visit our website to book an appointment. Houston Clinic Orthopedics, when experience matters. Craving the juiciest, most delicious burgers in Dixon. Look no further. Luke's Burgers and Breakfast has got you covered. Whether you're in the mood for a mouth-watering cheeseburger or a breakfast burrito, we have it all. Our secret? Only the freshest ingredients cooked to perfection every time. So why settle for ordinary when you can have extraordinary? Come on down to Luke's Burgers and Breakfast, where every bite is an experience. All right, we are back here on the Main Street Preps High School Football Preview Show. It's time to talk first-round storylines 
And we've got to start with the Lipscomb Academy situation. The Mustangs have been banned from this year's playoffs and next year's playoffs as well for a series of uh, recruiting violations and also the use of ineligible players against Briarcrest Christian on September 1st. Uh, they were going to pursue a temporary injunction that would allow the team to keep playing uh, in the meantime, but they've since dropped that uh, idea according to an internal email that we obtained today here at Main Street Preps. So Lipscomb's Academy season officially over uh, on the field. They went five and five without the forfeited uh, win. They're actually four and six. So certainly a disappointing end there. You hate it for their seniors, but Lipscomb Academy really did this to itself with some of the actions that were taken uh, over, over the last year and especially more recently this fall. If you didn't read the long article that we have on MainStreetPreps.com right now, it kind of details exactly what happened. Here's sort of the skinny on what led to this. First off, Lipscomb Academy was already on probation from an incident that happened earlier in the year, a recruiting violation. They were given a probationary period and a small fine for that. It was a promotional video that had a girls basketball player um, advertising the school's Endeavor program, which allows students uh, to pursue extracurricular activities and kind of have a flexible school schedule to allow them more time to do that. And the way that that was presented in a post on Twitter, uh, the TDOS labor um, consider that a recruiting violation. You can promote your school, you can promote its programs, but you can't use athletics specifically um, to try to retain students and bring students in. And that's going to be an important point here in a moment, but very fine line to walk there. And the TDOS determined that they had crossed it with that post. So that led into what happened more recently this season. Of course, it started out with uh, – two ineligible players uh, that played in Lipscomb's first three games, including the win over Briarcrest Christian, resulted in the forfeit and a $300 fine. Those players are pretty easy to pick out. They were both transfers from Mississippi. The TWSAA documents that we obtained did not mention them by name, but uh, the two guys that fit the description are quarterback Deuce Knight, defensive back Cole Bradley, uh, they did not make a bona fide move with their families to Nashville uh, or anywhere here in Tennessee. Their families kept their primary residences in Mississippi in addition to having an apartment for the players here. And there was some adult supervision there. They rotated family members, uh, but it wasn't a bona fide change of address that would justify changing schools. So under TWSAA rules, those players should have been ineligible for their first year and certainly couldn't play right away like they did. So that was one trouble spot. Uh, that alone did not land them the postseason ban, though. It's important to note that the postseason ban specifically came from another lapse uh, of the recruit against the recruiting rule. So uh, since Lipscomb was already on probation, the TWSAA came down pretty hard here, uh, knocking them out of the playoffs for the next two years. And the recruiting violation occurred between a Lipscomb Academy coach and a former player's father. Uh, they exchanged text messages in which the coach offered to intervene in the son's financial situa aid si situation, essentially offering to be a liaison uh, between donors and the player's father. And uh, the TWSAA said that, hey, it, the implication here is you were doing this for the purposes of trying to keep that player at the school, um, which stands in contrast to its recruiting rule that does not allow um, anyone associated with the school to use influence to try to keep an athlete there or to try to bring in new ones solely for the purposes of sport. So that was deemed a recruiting violation as well. And again, very fine line here because private schools are able to offer financial aid 
to students and to athletes, and uh, they certainly can advertise that and and talk about that. But uh, it's a very fine line that TBSAA sort of draws in the sand here that, hey, you can't use that money as sort of an inducement or uh, a way to attract and retain players for the purposes of athletics. So Lipscomb's going to miss the playoffs this year. Uh, they will have a chance to show that they've taken some steps in terms of compliance and to try to get their penalty lesson. My understanding is that they would like to get that postseason ban removed for next year, and they're going to attempt to do that by showing the TWA, hey, here's the steps that we're taking to make sure these things don't happen anymore. So that's the Lipscomb Academy situation. Let's talk about some teams that are going to play here in the playoffs. CPA and Pearl Cone. We were talking about Pearl Cone there with Damian Harris. These teams look like they are favorites in their classifications. We've talked about both of them all year. They played a tight game there in week two. Uh, both teams have won every game outside of that game. So that CPA's only loss was to Pearl Cone. They've since won eight straight. And their path back to the Blue Cross Bowl looks favorable. So they've been there the past uh, three years, possibly four years. I know they won in 2020, and then they finished runner-up the last two years. So uh, CPA certainly looking for a stronger finish. Pearl Cone capped off his undefeated season, beating Marshall County last week for that Region 5-4A title. They are loaded with talent. Zion Simpson-Smith showed probably why he needs to be considered as a Mr. Football candidate, and we'll see if he's on the list of semifinalists or if any Pearl Cone player is on there. I think they should have at least one, uh, but that list should come out either this week or uh, certainly by the beginning of next week. But Simpson-Smith had three rushing touchdowns. He was a force on defense. Uh, delivered some hits that are definitely going to end up on some highlight highlight reels, and I wrote about him afterwards. You can certainly find that story at MainStreetPreps.com. But just looking at it uh, here at the start of the playoffs, CPA and Pearl Cone both in good spots, and we'll see if they can get to Chattanooga. Meanwhile, down in Murfreesboro, Riverdale knocking off Oakland last week, 25-24 to on a two-point conversion pass from Braden Graham to Braylon Vanderbilt. Uh, that was Riverdale's first win over Oakland since 2012. We talked about it with Will Kreisky last week, uh, what his team needed to do, why he felt like there might be a chance this year for them to make it happen, and they were able to make that happen. Uh, so now Riverdale is going to welcome Green Hill in the first round. Oakland is going to play host to Gallatin. And, uh, man, <laughs> wouldn't want to be Gallatin right now because I'm sure Kevin Creasy in uh, Oakland is going to take out some frustration in that one. And if they do, and if Riverdale gets through, they both should have favorable second-round matchups as well that would lead to a rematch in the quarterfinal round between Riverdale and Oakland. And based on how last Friday's game went, that would be a fun one to send to see who would move on to the semifinals. So we'll see. That's not the only collision course that could happen but between region teams that have met already. Certainly that quarterfinal round allows that to happen, even sometimes in the uh, the second round as well. So uh, we got some new matchups this week. We've got some familiar matchups potentially coming. First, we're going to take a break, um, come back with our predictions for the first round. So stick around for that. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey. I can hold my liquor. I thought I could hold my liquor. Welcome to the GR Group at Cry Like Realtors. 
Our team is comprised of seasoned veterans, military spouses, and other real estate professionals with strong ties to the military community. We specialize in helping our clients buy and sell homes, as well as providing comprehensive services for commercial and land properties. Whether you're relocating to the area interested in buying or selling a home or looking for commercial or land properties, the GRA Group has the expertise and resources to help you achieve your real estate goals. Contact the GRA Group today. Founded in 2005, Pamela Witt First Lending Solutions has a reputation of consistently offering the lowest possible rates and above all providing outstanding customer service. Pamela Witt First Lending Solutions takes pride in treating our clients with honesty and integrity. We provide excellent service and experience you can trust for all your mortgage needs, proudly serving all of Tennessee. Apply today. Call Pamela Witt First Lending Solutions, 858-518-1506 or online at www.firstlendingonline.com. NMLS number 314276, ID 135932. Tired of hanging lights every year? We get it. That's why Southern Nights is here to help. We install programmable lighting on your home or business so you can enjoy beautiful, customizable lighting all year round. No more ladders, tangled lights, or cold nights outside. We do the work, you do the celebrating. Call Southern Nights today and take the hassle out of holiday lighting forever. For a free quote, give us a call at 931-241-3074 or visit our Facebook page at Southern Nights. Let's dive into some predictions for the first round of the TWSAA High School Football Playoffs. My record from last week was a forgettable one, 6-4. and four. I'm now 79 and 31 overall. That's only a 72% winning percentage. So certainly need to step up my game here in the playoffs. Let's get started with Independence at Smyrna. Independence has been up and down. They've been a very difficult team to get a read on this year. Of course, they beat Page. They beat Beach. They lost close games to solid teams and Centennial and Ravenwood. But then they also went and lost to Summit last week. So very hard to see. Uh, what they're going to do next, but that's part of the fun here. Smyrna has uh, has had some moments as well. They're six and four. They beat East Nashville and and have some other good wins. But um, again, that's another team that has taken some lumps as well. For better or for worse, I'm going with Independence here in a close one, uh, giving it to the Eagles, 24 to 21. But would not be surprised if that game goes either way. Collierville at Clarksville. This is potentially the most intriguing game all week. Uh, you've got a Clarksville team that has not lost in the first round since 2018. Isaac Shelby's group just finds a way to get it done. They've, they've gone on the road a couple of times the last few years and won their first round game. Uh, so certainly will be interesting to see if they can do that again, but th- this time they're at home and they're 10 and 0 with a great run game. Brady McNamee has done a great job. Our Clarksville reporters done a great job covering that team all year. And you can cert- find a lot of articles about them on our website, but uh, their run game, their defense, both solid. They will have to deal with some really talented players from Collierville, including Missouri commit Aiden Glover at quarterback. Um, so we'll see how they do with that test. But I like Clarksville to pull this one out. I'm giving it to the Wildcats 24-21. And how about Rockvale out Mount Juliet? This is another intriguing game. Mount Juliet, after starting the season 8-0, the wheels have come off a little bit. They lost to Franklin, which hadn't won. Uh, of course, in two years, they had a, they were on a 22-game losing streak until they beat Mount Juliet. And then Mount Juliet finished its season with a 35-3 to loss to rival Green Hill. That was a tough pill to swallow as well. So certainly not 
a good trend there for the Golden Bears entering the playoffs. Meanwhile, Rockvale has won, I believe, three out of its last four. It's also coming off a loss to Siegel in Week 11, so we'll see if they can bounce back from that. But they've got a senior quarterback in Brennan Mayhew who's been playing really well, and uh, he missed last year's playoffs and a lot of last year's the end of the season with a leg injury. So certainly uh, he's going to be chomping at the bit there to, to show what he can do in the postseason. Uh, with the way Mount Juliet's playing, I had to take Rockvale 21-17 to 17 to win that one. Stewart's Creek at Ravenwood. This is where I'll be on Friday. Should be a good game. Ravenwood coming off a loss to Brentwood in the Battle of the Woods last week, 17-0. So they are going to want to get back on track here to keep their season going. Meanwhile, Stewart's Creek has had a nice year. Both teams are 7-3. and three. Uh, Kenny Jordan coming over from Pulaski Academy in Arkansas has been a revelation. He's been really great in the uh, in the run game and catching the ball for them. And they've got Nigel Maynard, a Pittsburgh commitment in the defensive backfield that uh, wreaks a lot of havoc when teams try to pass against them. So I like this matchup. I think there's going to be some points scored in this one, but I'm going to give the edge to Will Hester and the Ravenwood Raptors, 35-24. to 24. And the last game we'll talk about today is Stratford at White House Heritage. Uh, I'm going to give this one to Stratford, 35-28. to 28. They've got a senior quarterback in Justice Law who's put up some nice numbers this year, and I think he'll do just enough to keep Stratford rolling. So that's all the time we got for today. Uh, for Russell Venosi and Main Street Preps, this has been our high school football preview show. We'll be back same place, same time next week. You've been watching the Main Street Preps High School Football Preview Show. Nobody brings you more comprehensive coverage of high school sports in Middle Tennessee than Main Street Preps. Join us each week at this time on Main Street Media TV to get the latest news about high school football. The Main Street Preps High School Football Preview Show is brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office.